Hey guys, welcome back to Project Unoya, episode 11 of the series. I actually just wanted to come out today and talk about my story because I feel like in order for you guys to really open up and really allow me into your space is to fully have you guys indulged in mine. So (laughs) thank you so much for coming out here and taking the time to really sit down with me and have this conversation. It's going to be really hard, but thank you anyways for coming here and yeah, just being here. So let's start. Um, My name is Inaz. For any of you who don't know me, I am from Iraq and I came here in 2000 with my mom and my older sister. We came here very poor, so my mom would always work at restaurants and bars to clean at night and me and my sister would go help her and try our best to get her to finish on time because she would go around 12 in the morning and she won't come back till 6 in the morning so it was a lot for her so we really tried our best to help her as much as we could but growing up I that allowed me to really realize that hard work means so much and that made me become a workaholic till now I felt like having my mom as someone that I really looked up to as well as my older sister they were two of the biggest inspirations in my life and growing up they really taught me so much I learned everything regarding makeup and taking care of myself through my older sister and my mom really taught me how to work really hard and support myself even though I'm all alone and no one's there to help me they both really did that and so I'm really grateful so when we came to Canada I really didn't know anything I was five years old so if you could do the math because it's 2021 I'm 26 now so I grew up to be very depressed (laughs) I really didn't feel like I had any true friends other than one or two people that talked to me and when I would go to school I just felt like even if I did talk to anybody they didn't really care and I was always really looked up to as the person that was like a goody two-shoes someone who just did too much and I was a people pleaser at this point And I was told this by someone that I went to junior high with for the very first time. And she was super popular. And she's like, oh, you know, you know, I feel like you're just, you're a goody two-shoes. And I didn't even think of that as like a bad thing to say to someone. I felt like that was almost like a compliment of some sort. And that's where my naiveness really came through. I didn't really think anybody 
didn't like me or didn't want to be my friend. I just felt like everyone was my friend because I truly had no friends. And all I wanted at the end of the day was someone who could really listen to me. And the reason why I didn't find that at home was because, of course, I'm the middle child. My little sister was born. My older sister was going through a rebellious older sister phase. And my baby sister is obviously a baby. So you really have to look after a baby. And I understand that being the middle child, there's really sometimes no room for you. And if you ever see like memes on the internet about being a middle child it's literally so true (laughs) it's not the parents fault and that's something that I never I don't even want to blame my mom for I know one time I confronted her and I was like you know why don't you ever pay attention to me and the next day I got like this big ass uh, Barbie house and at that point I was like is this what I have to do is this what I need to do constantly is ask for somebody to pay attention to me or for somebody to like me I truly didn't really know if anybody liked me as a person or not I was gaining weight I wasn't that smart so my grades were like 60 70 you know and honestly my mom was like as long as you graduate you're good and I'm like you know thank you like a lot of people or a lot of kids back then don't really have a supportive parents and luckily I had my mom and having my mom really taught me that being just one person you can do so much she was my mom my dad my everything I just felt lucky to have that and throughout my years when there was like Father's Day and Mother's Day I would always make something for my mom and until then my mom remarried and my stepdad came and my baby sister was born and she's like the cutest and she looks like me so I'm gonna take pride in that. And we were all just so different from each other. All three of us being siblings, we all have completely different personalities. So a lot of the time it does clash. And growing up, I always felt like I was the one that nobody really looked at. Coming home, I would always just like stay in my room, read my Twilight books, and really do nothing with my life and my sister was my older sister was just out there hanging out with her friends partying and my baby sister was just like chilling at home with my mom you know being a baby and I was always in my room and I was always sad you know and being somebody who I felt I was very outgoing when I was younger, when I was in school. I was the MC of all the pep rallies. I was a secretary for our student council. Just taking on these jobs, I just wanted to fit in. And I felt like thinking back to uh, now, that's all I did ever. (laughs) 
is to try to fit in. And I did all of this stuff that I didn't really enjoy, you know, being the school secretary. It wasn't amazing, you know, and being the MC of the pep rally, I really held my myself in a really high pedestal and I felt like I needed to impress everybody. I needed to show my friends that I can do it and I, I can be someone who can join them in after school activities. You know, I felt like I was never invited to any of those and it's funny now to think about because a lot of the time when you think back to high school days or elementary school days or junior high even when you're young you go out and hang out with your friends after school go to teen night or do a bit of whatever and actually I had a conversation with my roommate and a friend of mine and they were telling me how they would always go to like teen night or this jelly bean dance I don't even know <laughs> and I've never heard an, of any of this knowing that all of these times so many people would go to all of these events to all of these after school activities and I was never invited even though I felt like everyone in school was my friend so that really made me feel alone you know I knew people were were hanging out after school and I knew people were doing things without me especially the closest of my friends but at the same time I really tried my best to not let it get to me and that's where I kind of just manipulated myself into thinking that everyone was like my friend and that no one would say shit behind my back and honestly that really benefited me in a really big way because that really allowed me to just push that negativity out of my life even though nobody wanted to be my friend or hang out with me I truly don't know um, I feel like nobody knows who their real friends are throughout their whole life until maybe you get older or maybe you just realize that whatever they do for you really justifies how they are as a friend and I always felt like I didn't need anything from anybody you know I didn't feel like people doing things for me would be something a friend should do because I felt like if I just like made them happy they would just stay with me and that would just make me happy you know just me having them by my side just allowed me to have that sensation of friendship and I did have a best friend growing up Dina she's the love of my life and we're best friends till this day and it just shows you that no matter what you do no matter what happens at least there's this one person that you got to know when you were younger and we actually our moms were friends and my sister was friends with her brother and we kind of just colluded and became the bestest of friends we became inseparable at this point and I felt like the most time that I spent with her I felt more myself 
And that was the saddest thing because I always had to wait to hang out with her or to be around her to even smile or have a teensy amount of pure happiness on my face. But knowing that growing up now, I'm like, damn, that's all I really needed is just this one person in my life. But I always felt like I needed recognition and I needed more friends and it made me super depressed because nobody listened to me and I didn't know how to talk about my problems because being someone depressed everyone back then would think that you're just over dramatic and that's where romanticizing mental illness comes in because a lot of the time when back then we romanticized it to its true core to the point where even if you were depressed you were lying (laughs) you know nobody believed you if you were sad and people would just like brush you off and say that you're crazy but at the same time I'm like I'm fucked I felt so bad that pain that I was feeling of being all alone with no one around me to talk to me that pain resulted in me trying to harm myself and I would cut my wrists and I would cut my thighs and one day my older sister asked me why I do that and I didn't know why but my reasoning was because I I just didn't want to feel pain anymore And hurting myself was a pain that allowed me to really forget about the pain that's happening internally. So that physical pain really allowed me to push past that mental pain that I was going through. I didn't care if anybody saw my wrists, but it got to the point where my wrists got so bad that people in school would ask me what I was doing to myself and I had no excuse for them and I didn't have an explanation at all so I would wear long sleeved shirts and cover my wrists so people wouldn't see wear bracelets do anything and that allowed me growing up when I got into high school I started really expressing myself in a way that people would just ignore the fact that I was someone that was harming themselves because to be honest I don't think anybody cared and I really took that to heart personally because I felt like this person's asking me why I'm doing this to myself and I don't even know this person (laughs) so maybe I should distract them in a way where they don't notice that and they don't notice what I'm going through because nobody even wants to listen to me and even if I tell them the truth they they'll brush me off and they won't listen to me (laughs) like it, it really all goes back to people being there for me and being present because loneliness is one of the strongest killers in my opinion. Um, We need human interaction to 
really feel validated sometimes. And even though if you can't show yourself that love, that's how maybe a best friend or a family member can show you that love, you know? And when I was growing up, I just felt so alone constantly. I had no friends and I would see my older sister hanging out with so many people. She had so many friends and her personality, she was so outgoing. When I was small, I, I was thinking, wow, I want that. You know, I want friends who would come over and hang out with me and talk to me and do things with me. So one time I got invited to the super popular girl's house for her birthday. And I felt so good that I got invited. But growing up, I was always known as this person's friend. So I had a friend or a really close friend of mine. She she was my best friend and in school. And she was the only one that really talked to me and hung out with me. And people would say her name before mine and they would just conjoin us together. I'm not going to say names, but they would be like... I'm going to make up a name. They'd be like Stephanie and Inez. Something, something and Inez, you know? And that didn't make me feel too great because people only knew me because of my friend and she was super popular. She was, she's gorgeous, you know? Of course, uh, people are going to love her and want to be her friend. But I was the complete opposite of her. I wasn't skinny you know I was gaining weight slowly and slowly and when I was 120 I thought I was fat (laughs) you know and then when I got to 130 I felt like my life was over because all these people all these girls in school they were like 100 pounds or less than and I was 40 50 pounds more than them and I felt like that must be the reason why people don't want to talk to me like people don't want to be my friend people don't want to look at me and I really had a hard time finding guys that even wanted to look my way you know I confessed to this one guy that I had the biggest crush on um, in junior high on Valentine's Day and actually the day before Valentine's Day we had a dance at uh, our junior high and he was one of my closest friends. He was the only guy that actually paid attention to me. To be honest, all the other guys followed around my best friend or some other girls, other popular girls in school. And surprisingly, he was the only one that actually gave me any attention. And I started to like him, you know, as any girl would that is getting any sort of amount of affection at all from somebody he was my first love you know I always tell myself that I've never been in love because I've never really experienced true love before so I'm not gonna say he was my first love he was my first crush and I confessed to him that night 
and I don't know. I just, the response, it was very neutral, so I didn't really know what what the outcome was going to be, and he told me he would talk to me the day after, which was Valentine's Day, and I didn't even know it was Valentine's Day until I came into school and all these girls were getting roses. When the person would come into our class, my name would never be called. You know, every girl in my class got a rose or some sort of thing from somebody uh, except for me. (laughs) And, you know, I wasn't surprised because to be honest, like I didn't really have a real friend and I didn't have anybody that liked me. I don't think, like thinking now, like I don't think anyone's ever had a crush on me when I was in school. I felt like I was just a fucking ogre, you know, that just walked around in school and people would just talk shit about maybe, who the fuck knows. Like I just... I didn't pay too much attention to a lot of that, but I did pay attention to my surroundings and how people treated other people. And it really just made me realize that, wow, like nobody likes me. Nobody wants to be with me. Nobody is truly a friend. And every time somebody would show me just an ounce of affection, I would treat them as though they were my bestest friend in the world. You guys have no idea how many friends I've gone through throughout my whole life that till this day I kind of think about I'm, I'm like, was this actually a friendship or was this a friendship of, you know, for someone to basically use me, you know, and I felt used in basically everything. Like, I was thrown around constantly, and I always wanted to stay at school, so I decided to kind of get my art certificate, and that was, like, the only thing that really made me happy because I was so good at art since I I was in elementary. And when I was in elementary, I drew this owl, And I realized, like, maybe I do have a niche for this. So I started realizing that, you know, I'm going to stop thinking about people where they're constantly in my head. So I'm just going to do something about this. So in high school, um, all this expressing myself and I literally dyed my hair 20 million colors um, and I dressed in the weirdest ways one time I went to school for a pep rally and I was wearing orange tights with a blue skirt, orange shirt, and like a blue cardigan. And that was our school colors, blue and orange. But I wore like the weirdest stuff. And it, that kind of allowed me to get people kind of to be distracted from the cuts on my wrist and the sadness that I really feel internally. I don't think I showed it to people, which is amazing. I feel like pat myself on the back for really, truly hiding that. But at the same time, it made me more depressed. You know, everybody only talked to me because of certain people. 
you know, I felt like when I was in high school, I felt like I was friends with everybody. Everyone was in a clique, you know, all in my high school, every one was seated in different tables and there was, I'm going to say it, there was the brown table, there was the white table. This is legit what we called everything, what everyone in school called every clique, you know. The white table was like the super popular white kids that only hung out with the super popular white kids and then you'll see like one or two uh, other ethnicities in there but they had to be super popular to even be sitting there and then there was like the brown table where all the brown kids sat in the asian table there was like the goth table like there was insane cliques and nobody really sat with one another but me being as a person that just wanted friends and wanted to be accepted i tried to be friends with everybody so when I would go into the cafeteria during lunch, I basically had a friend in every single table, you know, and people would look at me weird, be like, oh, why are you hanging out with this person? Or why are you talking to this person? I really didn't give a fuck because at this point, if you're not going to talk to me, if you're not going to be my friend, then I'm looking for friendship elsewhere. And that's where I found these friendships and these people that were so different from one another. But the thing is, is now that I think back, a lot of those people that I didn't really talk to on a norm, on a normal basis, uh, but I still was friends with, they were the realest of the real, you know? And the people that I did speak to and the people that would just come to me for no reason, those were the people that were just only friends with me as a benefit to themselves. You know, because I was friends with certain people, that's the only time they would talk to me. So honestly, long story short, this is that's what really made me feel so alone constantly is because I truly had no friends. I I feel like I gained three amazing best friends from high school till this day and we've been friends for like almost 10 years but the thing is it's like oh man all these people from high school all these people from junior high I just felt like I'm not even gonna hold a grudge against anybody because they faked their friendships to me and honestly what more could have could I have asked for than a friendship at least and the fact that they faked that for me <laughs> was like amazing in my books because at least I had some sort of friendship that I could fall back on that I thought that was real you know but what that wasn't it, it really wasn't it was terrible <laughs> you know so going back knowing that all of these people just didn't really or weren't really my friends I didn't have anyone to talk to you know, I didn't have anyone to tell my feelings to. And if I did, people would just think I was psychotic. My mom was super traditional Iraqi mom. There's a lot of mental health stigma that goes around with our immigrant parents, you know, because back then, mental health to them is nothing. But now with us being in the 21st century, mental health is becoming something so big that we have to start acknowledging it but 
back then nobody acknowledged it nobody gave a shit you know and if you talked about your feelings people just called you over dramatic and emo and doesn't give a fuck about their life like so you can go fuck yourself that's basically how mental health was looked at back then and I never wanted to say I was depressed when I was young and I never wanted to tell anyone that I was cutting myself because I had a feeling that everything would go into shit if anybody knew so one day I go into school and there's two counselors that come and talk to me and they're like hey Inez like we just want to talk to you about how you're doing and we got a tip from somebody saying that you're harming yourself and they forced me to pull up my sleeves and tell them why I was doing it and obviously I didn't say anything because I didn't trust anybody because I felt like nobody wanted to listen anyways you know I felt like they didn't give a shit so I'm like I don't know why I'm harming myself and if I say that I just wanted a friend they would just think that I was sad for no reason you're really being depressed because you have no friends like that's that's how it was back then so I lied to them and they obviously didn't trust me so they talked to my family and they wanted to take me out of school because I was harming myself and obviously I lied and I said no I'm I'm doing so good I have so many friends and that's where I kind of gained the the art of lying (laughs) and it's not great but it really helped me through my life because when I got older I became even more depressed and even more upset with myself and I blamed myself for everything I basically blamed myself over how nobody wanted to be my friend because I was fat and I wasn't normal and everyone else just cared about looks and personalities and I apparently didn't have any of that so I kept cutting myself and I kept harming myself to the point where I tried to commit suicide because nobody would listen to me nobody wanted to be my friend you know my best friend from childhood lives overseas and I barely ever got to see her and me being the type of person I was I don't talk to people often and I gained that from growing up because I felt like people just don't like to listen to me so I gained that weird thing where if anybody texts me I just didn't text them back because I was just so overwhelmed by even texting one thing back just figuring out how they would feel about my text or if I said anything wrong or what I need to say to make them feel good because to be honest I didn't know what to say to myself to feel good about myself 
you know I didn't know how to feel better I didn't know how to say good things to myself like I I was my own worst bully you know and I backed every every thought that I had up that said oh they don't like you because you're this and they don't like you because of your because of that and I allowed myself to be consumed by it and I believed it I believed in everything and because I was scared to talk about it I really took it out with anger and I was frustrated a lot and when I became angry I couldn't control myself you know and a lot of the choices that I made when I was angry was not great for me or for anyone else around me. The first time that I committed suicide, I, or tried to commit suicide, <laughs> I got scared and I almost did it, but I got scared. I think I really thought about that time a lot till honestly this day, because usually your first time you don't understand what's going on and at that point you just want to go away because I didn't feel like anyone wanted to be my friend or be in my life and I wanted to do everybody a favor because I felt like everyone was being forced into a friendship with me because of the people that I was friends with and the people that I was around and I didn't know if anybody actually liked me because the thing is nobody ever invited me to anything and when I got invited to the popular girl's birthday it just felt fake (laughs) you know like that night it really felt like I truly had no friends and I hated coming home because my mom was always you know her her mind was elsewhere on my older sister on my little sister and I couldn't blame her and I just didn't want to be a burden to anybody you know I felt like I was just this extra piece in people's life that they had to constantly try to make time for so thinking about that I always felt like because I couldn't do it the first time I don't know if the second time would ever happen. I just got older and became more depressed. And I just really didn't know what to do with myself. I was lost. The people around me, they didn't care about me. After the first time that I tried to commit suicide, I never thought that I would ever do it again. Because you don't really plan for these things. They just they just like come out of nowhere years passed by and I stopped really caring about myself I gained more weight and I gained more friends (laughs) believe it or not I surrounded myself with people because I never wanted to feel that feeling ever again and to feel alone and to feel like I had nothing so growing up I just made so many friends every friend that I had I just I was the biggest people pleaser you know and I allowed that comment of me being a goody two-shoes to really come alive so as an example I made a friend and 
you know, we hung out almost every day because we worked together. And every time I really asked her to take me somewhere, and I never would ask anybody for anything. But when I did, it was just like a 10-minute drive to somewhere. And if I really needed it. The thing is, when I was growing up, I took transit for years. You know, I worked my whole life. I had so many jobs my first job was Cineplex and like I would transit all the way and we closed around like 12 so I wouldn't even be home till one and I was only like 16 at that time so I knew what it was like taking transit I've worked all the way in the southeast when I lived in the northwest for example like it it would take almost two hours so I understood that feeling and I never took that for granted but because she was my best friend and she was in the same area as me I asked her a couple times to drive me somewhere and every time I would get a ride from her I'd fill her gas up her full tank up by $50 and you know that one trip is barely even a quarter of a tank (laughs) but that's just how that's how I was I was like the biggest people pleaser and the thing is uh, that's not a friend a person who just took my money and was happily taking it you know I just that really taught me a lot of things about certain people and I realized like wow I'm just a dumbass you know I'm just surrounding myself with people who are just showing fake love to me (laughs) constantly and even till this day actually not till this day but a year or two back I kind of cut off a lot of people (laughs) I stopped being around so many people because I felt like I was just constantly being surrounded by a whole bunch of friends and people will be like oh my gosh you know it's like you have so many friends you have all this but I didn't like being someone that I was young that was a trauma that I had because I never wanted to be alone you know I never wanted people to leave me because I was just scared of being alone because I know what I was going to do to myself if I got into my head so a couple years went by and I thought I was doing better but I started gaining more weight and I started not taking care of myself at all the second time I ever tried to commit suicide I actually succeeded and at that time I was not in a great place You know, I was working in Canmore and it's really hard to explain because to be honest, this is my first time really talking about all of this and to all of you. So I hope you understand. But the second time I tried to commit suicide, I was successful and I was in Canmore at that time. And I was very, very depressed because I went back to Calgary to visit my family and there was an altercation and I just couldn't take it anymore. 
you know, I needed to leave Calgary and I was actually lucky I didn't get into a car accident on my way back because I was just speeding like a piece of shit, (laughs) you know. It was terrible. I was crying and I felt like I just didn't know what to do with myself and I didn't know that I was actually going to commit suicide. But when I went back into the shared accommodation that I was living in in Canmore I kind of I just locked myself in my room and I didn't come out for a long time and I remember it was Canada Day and my roommate uh, a really good friend of mine Sarah (laughs) who is my muse whenever I do her makeup she got worried and she got her boyfriend to uh, till this day to kind of knock my window down and I just was in a really bad place I mentally I couldn't even get up I was literally fucked like I just don't know how to really explain it to you guys but they called the ambulance and they took me to the hospital and I just didn't want to talk to anybody you know I just I wanted to lock myself in my room and hope for the best that I would get better but of course that didn't happen of course the ambulance came and took me and I had to get admitted in the Canmore hospital they called my mom and my mom came they took me out because my mom told them that I would be safer if I was with her and I agreed I felt like I just I just wanted to get out of the hospital you know I just didn't want to be there I don't like hospitals and I'll tell you why in a bit um I just didn't want to be there at all so I went back to Calgary with my mom and I didn't even last a day It's hard to talk about it because it was the first time that I actually succeeded. And I came home from Canmore and I realized that there was nothing to life. You know, I wasn't happy in anything that I did. Even though I had friends, like I I didn't know who to talk to because I just had that feeling that nobody wanted to listen to me and so I just felt like such a burden to my mom because she was just so worried about me and I just felt like I needed to not be here anymore and so as soon as my mom left the house my little sister my baby sister was in the room next door and my mom left the house to get me some food and some clothes you know just to feel refreshed and just feel like I could be better and because I'm just in at home with my family and I didn't care because I was already in such a state where seeing that I tried it once and I was too scared but I felt like being here till that time I was still kind of useless (laughs) and 
everything was the same and nothing changed and there was no point to even being here anymore because mentally I was like a fucked up person. I had a lot of anger issues and I think my depression really took a hold of that so I would always take my anger out on the people closest to me and that was my family. So I just felt like I didn't want to be a burden anymore so I went into my mom's room and during that time she was going through breast cancer so they gave her a bunch of chemo pills and all this stuff to help her and I just took I think five bottles and there was still so many pills in each of them over like 20 pills in each and I locked myself into in the bathroom and I didn't even hesitate to swallow all five bottles and after I did I just hid all the bottles in the garbage can and went back into my room I just told myself that you know I'm just gonna sleep and never wake up again because sleeping was the only way of me escaping the feelings that I was going through on a daily basis and that's how I wanted to die I didn't want to feel any pain I just wanted to sleep and never wake up again and so I laid down and I don't remember much but the last thing I remember is my mom coming into my room and I just wake up and she has the food and everything in front of me and I couldn't even sit up at that point I just blacked out and I woke up in the hospital I didn't know what happened all I knew is that the last thing I remembered was that I took my mom's bottles and I wanted to die and I didn't understand why I was still alive and there's you know people just usually say there's like a bright white light that comes there's no white light if if any of you have gone through what I did there's no white light that calls to you you know it's all blackness it's dark and it's scary and it just felt like it was time for me to not be here anymore and so I woke up in the hospital and I would get like these glimpses till this day that I remember and I remember my best friend Doran she came to the hospital and she tried feeding me it's like a flashback where you can only remember like a few seconds of it but she was feeding me and she was telling me to that I was okay but there was just blackness and I didn't remember a lot and then the next image I have in my head is a nurse just taking my hands while I'm in a wheelchair and telling me that, that you're so strong and I know you have so much going for you you can do this I believe in you and and then there was blackness again. I just don't remember. And so 
the next thing I knew I woke up and I was in a room and I realized that I was in the psychiatric ward so that was hell to me to be honest I got admitted to the Peter Lougheed Hospital and they don't make you feel good you know there's a huge stigma still to this day for healthcare workers I think that if you try to commit suicide you're crazy and so I was surrounded by a lot of people that weren't in the same uh, headspace as I am a lot of them were gone and I just didn't want to be there I just felt like they truly make you feel crazy and that it was wrong for you to try to kill yourself or commit suicide in any sort of way they really made me feel guilty a lot of the time they would tell me how I had to be rushed in for code blue and they had to flush me out and if I passed away my mom like what would have happened to my mom or my family and they just really made me feel like I just wanted to die even more you know like I just I tried to find so many ways in that hospital to kill myself even more and you know when you get admitted to uh, that place you know they they say they want to help you they say they they want you to get better but I don't know if this is in every hospital but I know for sure that in this specific hospital they don't give a fuck they made me want to fucking die even more you know the pain that I felt before was double the pain as soon as I got into that hospital and so they would test you and they wouldn't give you anything you had it was like a game you know you had to show signs that you were feeling happy and you were getting better and so I realized that because I'm not stupid, you know. I, growing up, I was the type of person that was very observant with my surroundings, and I feel like I was very smart with how people treated me because I knew that I knew how people were. And so they would play games with you and really give you dirty looks a lot of the time where it just feels like you're wasting their time just being there and this one nurse that would just talk to me she she would just make me feel so bad about the whole situation as though me killing myself is going to ruin like after I kill myself my mom might kill herself my sister might kill herself like they truly truly implanted that idea in my head that I just felt like I just needed to end it, you know? But there was no way of me just killing myself again in the crazy hospital. And so that's where the lying came in and I manipulated my way into getting out. 
because being in there made me want to die even more. So if they wanted me to get better, I felt like it was best for me to leave, you know, and so I I pretended to be happy and every time I would see a psychiatrist, I'd be like, I'm, I feel better, you know, I just, I'm so much better. And back then, my emotions were very stoic, so it was very easy for me to manipulate my way through a lot of things. But yeah, it just, it was bad. So I really decided that maybe it was was time so I did all of that and I got my way and I got out you know surprisingly I convinced them that I was good enough to leave and I left and I lasted a year I got a job at a telecom company that I still work for to this day and I didn't even know I would do it but as soon as I finished a shift this one day I went straight to a supermarket and got coal so I could burn it on the stove and allow the toxins to just kill me in my sleep my whole apartment was filled with smoke that night and I started feeling as though I couldn't breathe and I started getting scared And I've never been scared to die until that day, you know? And I called one of my closest friends and I told her that I was trying to kill myself and I didn't want to die and I was scared to be alone. So I drove to her house and I understand, you know, she she was worried about me. So she called the ambulance and they took me. which means I got admitted again. But this time, I got admitted somewhere different. Throughout the time that I was in the process of getting admitted, it takes so long, you guys. Like, it takes a million years to even get into the hospital. And throughout that time, I was like, I shouldn't have said anything. I shouldn't have told her. And I wouldn't be here. Now I'm going to be stuck in literally a prison again because literally that Peter Lougheed hospital is such bullshit. I'm just going to tell you guys that right now. This That's the worst place for psychiatric help that you could ever get. Experiencing it firsthand, being someone who overdosed and really didn't care about their life to the point that they lied their way into getting out of the hospital that should really tell you something you know and so I was scared I didn't want to be put back in that same situation I was terrified you know I have till this day I have this huge trauma of going back to a hospital and every time someone tells me to go see a doctor I'll be like no they're gonna send me back and I don't want to go back you know, I, if I go back, I literally, like, I don't know what I would do to myself. And so I got admitted again. And this time it was different. This time it was 
truly a blessing in disguise and as you guys probably have listened to my past episodes in the mind of Dia that's where I met Dia was in that hospital and after that I just felt like it was time for me to just get better because I couldn't live a life that I was just wasting you know every every minute that I was living I was upset and I was depressed and I just didn't know what to do with myself other than try to get better you know and Dia really helped me with that and I'm serious when I say that she really changed my life but it's hard because till this day I I know I'm not perfect and I know that I have a lot to work on but as I always say in literally every episode it's a never ending cycle of self rediscovery so for me it's just up from here and I can't accept anything below you know I I can't fall back into the person I used to be you know because if I did all the hard work that I've put forth, all the stuff that I did to get here would be useless, you know? And a lot of people, a lot of my closest friends always tell me how proud they are of me and that they look up to me. But I always think that, I always thought, I should say that I was the biggest hypocrite of all time and I was just allowing people to think that I was just this strong person when in reality I'm so weak and not in control of my emotions and I have anger problems and I have issues about the way I look I have problems with the people that I'm closest to on the daily basis. And you know, that's me. That's I'm a human being. You know, I'm not perfect. And I don't think anybody is for that matter. No matter what you've been through. We've all had different stories. No matter what you've done. No matter who's done anything to you. You have a story and you've grown up to be someone so strong and so powerful and that's how I always try to look at myself you know I I always I tell my friends that if you can't say it to your best friend then you you shouldn't say it at all to your to yourself and I had a huge problem with that because I would not only say it to myself I would say it to my family and I would pour my anger out on the people that loved me the most I am ashamed of impacting a lot of the relationships that I've had in my life even like till now you know I am a terrible communicator for any of you who are closest to me I am really bad at texting back and you know catching up with people and I've been like that my whole life 
because it's that same trauma that I've had where I always felt like people just don't give a shit about me and that became a habit of mine where I just stopped texting people back I just never texted people to ask how they were and that became a really really bad habit and honestly if I if I want to tell you guys the truth and everything and I want you guys to get to know me is till this day I'm still practicing to be a better communicator and show a lot more love to the people around me because I I feel like I don't do that enough and that's why you guys probably see me a lot saying thank you too much or saying that I love you too much it's because I don't say it enough and you guys think that I probably do say it a lot but I really don't and it's my way of allowing myself to have that mentality to start saying it to the people that I truly truly love because that's the hardest for me is being open to the people closest to me and that's why I really wanted to come out with Project Unoya because it's not only that but there's so many instances where people are just assholes for no reason you know and people just don't think about how you feel at all and I'm that person (laughs) and that's honestly the main reason why I really wanted to come out with Project Unoya is to really understand why we do the things that we do and why we allow that anger and that hatred that we have inside of ourselves to really pour out into the world everyone's gone through something everyone has a story and I can't act as if I'm the only one you know I, I can't act as if this is just me suffering because you guys are all suffering with me you know and I feel like as soon as I get rid of the stigma you guys will share your story with me so I don't feel like I'm the only one going through all of this because I feel like a lot of us feel as though we're alone a lot of the time and there's so many perfect people that we see on social media so it's hard it's hard but we really have to start getting to know each other and I really hope this allowed you guys to kind of get to know me. This is just the beginning. <laughs> Thank you. I, I I feel like this is a little therapy session of mine with you guys. And um, I'm finally speaking my truth. And I hope that now you guys can allow yourself to be open with me and feel like everyone's human and we all have a heart and there's so much that we can do in our lives to make ourselves better and if I can do it if I came from overdosing on almost a hundred pills I think anyone else who's gone through the same thing um, can grow into somebody greater can grow into somebody who loves themselves first before anybody else.
And so to end that note, I truly want to thank you guys for being here with me. I love you, honestly, till death do us part. (laughs) And thank you so much for being here with me and listening to me talk. I truly, truly am so thankful. And I love you. So thank you. And I'll see you in the next episode.